0: Holy cats, welcome to the cold open of the Sex Criminals episode of the Comics Collective. You might be asking, where are those dulcet, funky tunes that Dallas got off of that random website that wouldn't copyright infringe him? They're gone. You're about to hear the real debut of the Comics Collective theme music. But before that, chums, friends... People we don't like that listen to this. (laughs) You know who you are. Uh, Sorry. Look inward. Realize if we like you or not. Before all that, I have a story to set the mood. Mm -hmm. Sex Criminals is a deeply personal, emotional, and powerful journey about love. And so to kick things off, I would like to tell you a story about my butthole. Uh, (laughs)
1: So, Lord,
0: let me paint the scene. There I was 20 years old, butthole as itchy as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. I was living as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the larger Kansas City area. Now, two explanations there. Mormon missionaries, for those that don't know, are those weirdo little 20 year old FBI agents you see walking around in pairs every once in a while in your town. You'll see them predominantly white, predominantly male, and predominantly lost and with nothing important to say. And they'll come up to you and they'll say, hello, would you like to hear a message about Jesus Christ? And you'll say no and go about your day. And they'll have that same conversation 413 times. Um, Kansas City, for those that don't know, is... Mm-hmm. I've heard people say that Florida is the armpit of the country. Yep, yeah, heard that. Florida is the pubes of the country, first off. (laughs) Second off, Missouri is the armpit. Missouri is like Florida without Miami and without Disney World. Like, everyone's going to go to Florida every once in a while and be like, ah, Disney World. Oh, Miami, let's go do some blow out of a stripper's crack. You know? Ah! Nobody's ever been like, let's go to Missouri.
2: That's true.
0: It's the worst place on earth. So there I was. Just double cheeked up on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. About three weeks into unbearable butthole itch. All right, <laughs> let me let me paint the picture for you. Yeah. I was so itchy in my posterior region that i I would crave elevator rides because I could back myself into the corner and just go to town on myself with <laughs> no one no oh, knowing.
3: My God,
0: just itching until i saw red frankly and i was like there there was a time there i was like this is a weird day and then i was like that's been a weird week and then i was like it's been a weird three weeks and then i was like it's gotta be over soon and then about five weeks in i was like i don't think this is ending and then there was about another week of just acceptance where i was like i'm just a guy with an itchy butt now i guess (laughs) I, I kind of like blamed it on myself for a little while. I was like, you got to get better at wiping your crack, man. And nice. it was it was wiped well enough. There was no reason from me that this should be as itchy as it is. But it is. OK, <laughs> um, I used to clench my ass and walk to see if the cheeks would itch it. If you've never flexed your butt cheeks to itch your butthole, you don't know what I was going through, honestly. I was the weirdest little doodle-bopping missionary. I was walking along, just flexing my butt cheeks, bouncing up and down like a quarter inch as I went, and people are like, huh, why is that guy doing a little jig? He was doing a little jig because his butthole was in pain. And like, for those of you that don't know, missionaries, they, they usually go in pairs right and so there was a brief moment where i was like to the other little dude with me i was like is this ben's fault somehow (laughs) did ben do something to my butthole ben did not do something to my butthole but so i finally woke up on a tuesday morning i'm just making that up i don't know what day it was
3: that's a very specific memory memory
0: i don't remember what day it was but i woke up and i was like today's the day i solved the butthole and i looked over at ben I'm not going to say his last name because I don't know if I have permission to. I looked over at Ben and I went, you curly headed fuck. It's time for me to solve this butthole issue. And he went, that's not what you said in this story. And I said, yes, it was Ben. And so I grabbed my phone. And as a missionary, you have to check in with everybody all the time with what you do. I swear you like you wake up at 6.01 instead of 6 a.m. And you have to let somebody know. And so, of course, going to the doctor, you have to let somebody know. And our somebody was an 85-year-old woman whose solution to everything was going off gluten. That was no matter. You could come with her with your arm severed off and you'd be like, hello, uh, I'd like to see a doctor. She's like, have you tried being (laughs) gluten-free? And so I grabbed the phone. I'm like, yes, hello, I'd like to go see the doctor. She went, hmm, what is it for? And I'd rather not say, honestly. I'd rather just go. (laughs) She's like, you have to tell me what it is. (laughs) I went, mm, I'd really rather not. she went, Dallas, what do you need to see the doctor for? And I said, punk ass, I have a very itchy butthole, and I need to get it solved. And she went, oh,
3: uh, hmm, yeah, you probably could have kept that to yourself. I went, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I yeah. could have, yeah. She's like, i you tried going off gluten. I was like, I've stopped putting the gluten in my ass. Can I please go <laughs> to the doctor? And she said, yes. And so she directed me to go to the urgent care near me. And so I go to the urgent care. All right. And I'm like, hello, I'm, I'm here. And there's this funny thing that happens when you're a missionary where you are immediately the most interesting thing in the room. When you walk into a room, these two little FBI agents walk in and people, every eye in the room looks at you and they're like, holy shit, Mormons are real. And you're like, yes, hello, I was in the musical, they wrote that about me, personally. And every eye in the building is on you, and you always kind of feel like a tiger in a shirt and tie, like, "Hmm, hello, yes, I escaped from the zoo. (laughs) But especially at this moment, I was like, I wish everyone wouldn't look at me while I'm clenching my ass to itch it while I walk. (laughs) And so I get to the front desk, every eye in the place on me. I'm like, hello, I'd like to see the doctor, and person behind the desk is like okay here's your paperwork um just so I can get a head start on it what what are you here for so we can put you in the queue and I was like uh just general general health discomfort she's like no like I really I need a real thing and so I I kind of I lean in and I whisper and I say uh I have uh an irritated posterior (laughs) and she goes what and I go (laughs) an irritated posterior what do you mean i have an itchy butthole (laughs) (laughs) and you could feel it in the room you could feel everyone just tighten a little bit like
1: did he just say uh... itchy butthole
0: (laughs) and the lady behind the desk eyes as wide as golf balls did he just say itchy butthole (laughs) and me to myself how loud did i say itchy butthole (laughs) She went, okay, go fill out your paperwork and we'll let you do that. And so I'm there sitting my paperwork and all of a sudden, every eye in the room is trying very hard not to look at me. Everybody's like, hmm, how many tiles are on the ceiling? Ah, this New Yorker magazine from uh, November 3rd, 2012 is deeply fascinating right now. I'm filling out my paperwork and the nurse comes and he says like, oh, hello, Dallas Taylor, come back. And another one of the rules as a missionary is... You're always supposed to be with the other missionary. You're always supposed Mm -hmm. to be within eyesight of each other. And so immediately my mind split right down the middle. I was like, do I invite him into my butt appointment to keep the rule that we're together all the time? Or do I spare him seeing my ass get prodded by a doctor? And I decided, rules are rules. Come on, Ben. And he gave me this look like, you're joking, right? And I'm like, I'm not joking, Ben. Come on. You're so, like, we got that
3: Sith um, rule of two going on. You must exactly, always be with me.
0: Exactly. So me and what everyone in the room can only assume is my boyfriend go back to be like, hmm, hello, we're here for the butt the butt doctor. And I tell the nurse, they're like, so uh, itchy, itchy butthole. And I was like, she wrote down itchy butthole. Like, what kind of doctor's office is this that we wrote down itchy butthole? There's no scientific term you could have come up with? No. Nope. And they said No. And he went, so uh, how long has it been at you? And I was like, like six weeks. And he's like, and you're just coming here now? And I was like, dude, you got to go back to the beginning of the joke to find <laughs> out the timetable on this. And he's like, oh, that was a good opening to the joke. Thank you. And I went, thank you very much. And so he ushered me from the big waiting room to the little waiting room, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there in the little waiting room, trying not to make eye contact with Ben. And Ben's sitting there, trying not to make eye contact with me, wondering... What he did wrong to be with the guy that would invite him back to his butt appointment? And I was sitting there asking myself, "Who am I that I would invite Ben back to my butt appointment?" And then the doctor walks in, and with, in one swift movement, not even a greeting, snaps his rubber rubber <laughs> glove and goes, "Drop him!" And I went, "Huh?" <laughs> and I looked at Ben in panic, and Ben looked at me in panic, and I said, "I mouth, close your eyes." So Ben closes his eyes, and I just pop my plump little white ass out of my dress pants. And I go, okay. He comes up to me and uh, takes his hand, uh, uses his thumb and his index finger to spread my cheeks.
3: This is so detailed.
0: <laughs> Bro, it was scarring. Everyone has to live this with me. Spreads him with his other index finger, gives it a little poke, and says... And I quote, Yup, that's an irritated butthole. <laughs> and released cheeks clap back together, and I go, That's the diagnosis, Dunk? <laughs> irritated butthole. I'm an irritated asshole right now, but I've got an irritated butthole. And you went, That is an irritated butthole. And and so with that glorious diagnosis, you went, hmm. Well, there's really one solution to this. Are you aware of what a suppository is? And I said, uh, no. And he said, a suppository is basically a little uh, a, a cream that we've hardened into a torpedo shape that you're going to put at the tip of your finger. You're going to insert one knuckle deep. He said, one knuckle deep. And I went, what kind of hospital am I in? <laughs> I'm and a
1: said, hospital. Finger,
0: One <laughs> knuckle d- d- deep into your butt. And then you leave the suppository there, and it will heal it. And I went, so you're giving me butt torpedoes (laughs) that I just put up there, and it's going to solve the itch. And he said, yes. And I said, great. Can I leave? And he said, yes. And so I leave to go to the Walmart pharmacy across the street. There's always, no matter where you are in Missouri, there's a Walmart across the street. You could be in the middle of nowhere at Walmart across the street. And in the Walmart parking lot across the street, someone's selling you butt torpedoes. But I didn't know that, so I just went through. And I went up to the Walmart pharmacy, and I said, yes, hello, I'd like to receive uh, my prescription. I slide it across, and the person on the counter goes, I can't read this handwriting, what? And I went, huh? And the whole line behind me, again, is like, hmm.
3: what's
0: he getting? Uh What's wrong with this guy? Uh And I go, "Um, uh, uh, I don't really remember the name. Um, I looked at Ben in a panic, like, Ben, do you remember the name? And Ben went, I have blocked that memory from my life. (laughs) And I went, "Uh, I don't really remember what they're called. And he went, do you remember what they do? And I was like, "Mm -hmm. well, uh, it's like a little uh, lotion butt torpedo. To help with butt itch. And the, I heard, I kid you not, the woman behind me, a little gasp. <gasps> <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah, everyone heard yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They called these in. They called these in. Uh, let me go back and get them. And I don't know if he went to join, like, a Little League baseball game or something, but he was gone for 25 minutes. Easy. I, I heard... A dude in the line behind me on his phone like, yeah, sorry, I'm going to miss the game because some dude's ass medicine's taking too long. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm up at the front like somebody's missing formative moments with their child over my ass medicine. I was like, I'm someone who has a prescription for ass medicine and I'm 20 years old. It's like, what decision have I made that brings me to the ass medicine part? And finally, he comes back from running his 5K and says, oh, here's here are the suppositories. And I went, oh, I'll never forget that name ever again. <laughs> and he says, great, that will be, and he rings my insurance. He goes, ooh, $700. Uh, and I went, what? Uh, America <laughs> says, what? He said, yep, that'll be $700. And I say, $700? And he says, $700. I, I go, dude. I live off $150 a month. I can't afford $700 ass medicine. And he goes, I kind of figured. I have a bit of a home remedy. Follow me. <laughs> Never. Why he had the home remedy, I don't know what he's doing in his free time Never follow anyone that has a home remedy for your ass into the depths of Walmart. But I do. I do-do-do. Come on, Ben. We're on an adventure. Do-do-do-do-do. We follow him back to the itch cream section. He goes up, and he sees the cortisol cream, and he says, all right, so this has the same active ingredients. Uh, he says, that term. I was like, oh, that's a medicine term, active ingredient. Great, great. Well, it's above my pay grade. He goes, so what you're going to do, you're just going to get a hearty dollop of this, and same procedure as the as the suppositories. I went, just a, a hearty dollop. He's like, yeah, about the size of a quarter. And I was like, okay. Um, he uh-huh. said, uh, yeah, just pick out whichever one. Everyone speaks to you and my dumbass brain looking, never realizing there were so many var- varieties. I just kind of grabbed the one that was closest and not really thinking much about it. I'm looking at it and I'm, I focus in on the warning in huge letters on the front warning, not for rectal use right on the front. And I went, Hey man, uh, what does it say to specifically not do what you're telling me to do? And he goes, ah, you know, legalese, they just do that to cover their ass. And I went, sir, I'm going to need a little bit more specificity because this is about to be covering my whole ass. (laughs) And he said, you're good. You're good. Just just use it. It's not there for a reason. I went, I mean, I started this conversation trusting a guy with a home remedy for an itchy butt crack on a Tuesday afternoon. So why not? So I take my cortisol cream. And again, not putting much thought into it, I scan, leave, and go immediately home, and immediately from home, into the bathroom of said home. I tear open, get the tube, squeeze out a hearty dollop, and I I go through with the procedure. Now, dear listener, you might be wondering, how did it go? I saw the devil's face in that moment. I dropped to my knees in more pain than I have ever felt. I grabbed for the tube, look at it, and it says, Cortisol cream, icy hot. And I went,
2: I went, the icy (laughs) hot? And looking at the
0: tube, feeling the pangs of the icy and the hot, my asshole dissolving before me, never prepared to be anyone resembling a normal person ever again, tears streaming down my face. I just whimper, Ben, help. (laughs) And he says, dude, you're on your own. (laughs) And went about his day. And so really... The moral of this story is: if you have an itchy butthole and you live in Kansas City, don't fucking tell anybody. (laughs) Keep it to yourself because a week later, no help from the cortisol. It went away like I'd hoped the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: Oh, Lord! And
2: that
0: has been the intro to our wonderful sex criminals episode featuring brad and lisa gullickson of the comic book couples counseling after this you're going to hear our amazing new intro music and then the conversation about what is one of our personal favorite comics so good luck keep your buttholes itchless and have fun with the rest of this episode Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly comic book podcast where we talk about our favorite graphic novels, trade paperbacks, or other collections of comic books. I am your co-host, Dallas Taylor.
1: I'm Alexis.
3: And I'm Anne, and I'm absolutely amazed because this episode is so special this week. Dallas,
0: what are we talking about and who are we with? This week, folks, we're talking about sex criminals. <laughs> All right, in the middle of our month of love. We're going to be talking about a very specific kind of love, <laughs> and it's a conversation I didn't really think through at the beginning. I was mm-hmm. like, "Man, I'm going to talk about sex criminals. This is great." And I remembered my podcast is with my sister. I was like, "Oh, great, we're going to be talking <laughs> yeah, about." Sex I remembered that too. In the room, and then I was like, "You know what else I should do? I should invite two people I look up to on this <laughs> podcast to talk about sex." And so we're joined by brad and lisa Gullickson of the comic book couples counseling podcast
4: yay thank you so much for having us and
0: we've
2: brought our grandmothers with us (laughs) perfect (laughs) nana what did you think of come world (laughs) i loved it oh i love going to the quiet
0: (laughs) Uh, you know i brought my mother-in-law and ask if she's ever been to come world
2: (laughs) It's gonna be a whole uh, different conversation. I know those answers weirdly.
4: This this episode is going to be particularly challenging for me because I am uh, slightly prudish. I am Perfect. sex positive, um, but uh, also uh, very self conscious about. <laughs> and so I uh, re-listened to some of our sex criminals episodes to kind of re-acclimate myself uh mm. to talking about sexy stuff and it didn't it didn't work it yeah. didn't work I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable already
2: lisa grew up in a strict religious household mm. i grew up in a naked family <laughs> <He> so <did. laughs> all my friends saw my parents naked from a very young age and yeah that's where i'm coming from
0: so. see we're me and alexis are the combination we're from a very religious family with a naked dad so <laughs> the amount of people that just saw and He's no shame. He just, he'll no. walk by in his boxers like, hello, folks. And it's like, dad, dad, what are you doing?
1: He Buckaroo. traumatized my boyfriend the first trip we ever took together. Because he was walking you, to the bathroom oh right God. in the face.
2: It's just that, <laughs> right. you, you know... Boxers is not a naked dad. That's a boxer's dad. I had a you naked had a tr- dad.
0: You're a truly naked dad. I
2: had a naked dad. All my friends saw his penis. Oh,
4: I, I think because he um, married a Brit, he's like, we're European now.
2: <laughs> correct. That is 100% correct. It's only fair. Uh,
0: oh. Yeah. See. I think my reaction to my religious upbringing was to overshare all the time. And so I think this episode will actually be an exercise. (laughs) And hey, Dallas, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Don't say those things for the whole world.
3: I should have brought a buzzer. So that way, if anything happens, just you're done. You're done.
0: (laughs) I should have gave Anne the mute button on this episode. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we are talking about sex criminals this week and unlike some of our other previous coverage of big runs of comics, we decided to mainline all of it this week. We read 30 issues in one week of sex criminals and I can't speak for everybody, but it warped my mind for (laughs) sure. Um, Anne and Lexi, what was your week straight of sex criminals like?
1: Well, as someone who does not participate in the first six days of the week of reading, it was great this morning. Really great. No, just kidding. Uh, I actually did read the first two volumes like two weeks ago, just for funsies. It was great. And then I read everything else last night and this morning. So super fun. Loved it.
0: Did you find yourself being weirder because you were reading this comic?
1: Uh, I wouldn't use the word weirder, but I will not use the word that I have in mind. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Carson I, questioned it.
3: I became weirder. I I didn't think it was possible, but I definitely became weirder. Trying to advertise this book on Twitter is an exercise in um creativity and um trying to figure out what's okay to share without Twitter coming from my account. So, it's definitely definitely something. It's Wait, they're
0: going to be they're doing what? From your account? What? What? They're No. They're... Mm. Nah. I swear it started. It's already started.
3: I yeah, this is one of the books that um my coworkers actually I talked to them about my podcast for the very first time this week. They're like, You have a podcast? I'm like, Yeah. And I'm, they're like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm like, we talk about comic books every week. It's fine. And they're like, Oh, so we're we talking about this week. I'm like, hmm, uh <laughs> sex criminals. <laughs> and they're just like, oh. I'm like, yeah, ex- exactly. I'm like, comics are weird. <laughs> And they, they just went about their business and I'm like, thank God I didn't have to explain Come World to anyone. I can't do this. Like that I'd say that for Sunday. It's such a different comic than a lot of the things I'm used to. And it actually made me feel good because like this comic is a thousand percent hornier than Sunstone is. So I feel more more set in my own personal favorite comic now. So
4: I'm
3: like something weirder exists. I'm happy.
0: I'm happy for you. Uh, Brad and Lisa, what is your experience with sex criminals like?
4: Well, the first time I got the f- I, I picked out the first volume from the shelf, I'm like, my heart is open to this.'m I'm, I'm here to explore. And I read the first like issue or so and I blushed and then I closed it and then I just slid it on a shelf never to be looked at again. And then of course, Brad's like, hey, we gotta do John and Susie for the podcast comic book couples counseling where all things are warm and fuzzy. And then I read it and I went on a true journey with it, but I, I came away really appreciating the conversations it sparked between Brad and I.
2: Yeah, I think for myself, when I, I, I picked up the first issue off the stand, but it was a series where like, I read that issue and I was like, oh, I get it. And then I didn't pick up the second issue for whatever reason. I it just did not connect with me. And it wasn't until like the sex criminals fandom really started to pick up where I went back and revisited it. But again, I bought like the first trade. I read the first trade and I was like, I think I got this. I don't need to pursue it. And it wasn't until we created a podcast around couples and relationships and comics where I felt like, well, we have to cover sex criminals because it feels like sex criminals does hold a large space in comic. Like, well, well, a large space within a certain comic book community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I was so glad that we did. And like Lisa said, she went on a journey with it. I went on a journey with it. And many peaks and valleys uh, in my journey with sex criminals. And this morning, revisiting those episodes with Lisa, it was kind of fun to engage with what we said on those episodes. And then go like, well, do I actually feel that way today because what was that like a year ago we did the last volume of sex criminals on comic book couples counseling
4: yeah we're just continuously evolving yeah yeah
2: yeah exactly in
4: our relationship with sex criminals which out of context is like a weird sentence (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah. that
3: title is something and we actually have a question later that'll get into that and i'm excited for that but yeah oh my gosh dallas what were you gonna say i interrupted you i'm sorry
0: no, you're good. I this book is interesting because like similarly I read the first volume of this probably a year ago and I was like, "Oh, I really like that," and I never thought about it again. And so then reading it all in one big chunk this week, it is a comic with peaks and valleys, like you said, where I feel like when sex criminals really hits, it really really hits. And it's powerful. It starts cool conversations. It it has made me laugh harder and more genuinely than most other comic books, and but there are definitely little weird, fallow periods in it as well. Where I was like, "Do I, do I like this comic? Do I want to keep reading it?" And I could tell that if I wasn't reading it for this show, I probably would have taken more breaks as I was reading it. But it is interesting because it's talked about in conversations next to other comics I love, like like Saga mm-hmm. or. It's sort of lumped into that image renaissance of the early 2010s. Um, but, Anne, with that, do you want to give like a brief synopsis of what Sex Criminals is? I
3: can definitely do my best because this is my my favorite part of the comic is just how absolutely wacky and insane the premise is. And for anyone who hasn't read the book yet, I highly recommend you read it and then come back. So we're going to be going full spoilers into it. But for anyone really curious about what this book is about it is about our main characters Susie and John who are two people who discover that when they reach the climax of um, their sexual experience time slows down for them and it stays that way for a little bit and they thought they were the only ones who could do it they thought it was very um unusual they go through this um experience this self-discovery with it and then when they find each other they do the only rational thing that two adult human beings could possibly do with the ability to slow down time they um they have sex and they rob banks and it's all fun and games until they find out that of course there's sex police out there and they start to run um a little head-to-head against the um the authority if you will and this Head-to-head friction leads to an escalating um, tension between them. And we get to see things as they meet more and more people just like them, find out more about this power they've inherited, what the deal behind it is, and what exactly, you know, they're going to do with it. And it's an experience that is (laughs) so hard to really put into words because it's unlike anything I've ever read in a comic before. It's just sci-fi sex positivity with so many meta and crazy moments in it that it's just it's it's a it's an everything book in a lot of ways it's got really deep moments it's got really hilarious moments it's i'm thinking hills and valleys it's just just in terms of tone it's a lot of hills and valleys from the really sad moments that really hit you to the really funny moments that you just have to show all your friends so it's a book that if you're brave enough to get into it makes every second worth it, I think.
0: Hi, okay, everybody. Small claps for Anne. That yeah, was very good. Great. Nicely done. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. I I really, I like that the conflict of this is that there
2: are even cops in come world. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I found so fascinating in the selling of the comic book is how every volume on the back of it brings up the fact that, you know, when they climax, they stop time and then they decide to rob banks, but the robbing banks aspect of sex criminals, like ends in like issue two or three Mm -hmm. Uh, and where it goes is so much wilder than anyone can possibly imagine when they hear the premise of the book. So even with Anne describing what that book is, it's still not what that book is until you're experiencing mm-hmm. it. It's it's a rabbit hole.
3: Yeah. It goes all over the place. And I think that's one of the big aspects about it that I really like. Like reading this book from issue one, I was in the same boat as like um both of you where like everyone I guess here was where it's like I read the first issue and I'm like I get it but I'm not sure if it's gonna be for me I'll pick it up eventually and then I just I see a lot of people talking about it it's getting the special deluxe editions it's getting all these really weird variant covers that my comic shop has to wrap up to keep the kids safe from and um I'm like what I'm really interested in this book but I don't know if it's gonna be for me I don't know who this book is for necessarily but then like the moment I start diving into it I start finding really interesting things like i didn't expect an asexual character to show up in the story Mm -hmm. and i was really really impressed with how that was handled i put it out on twitter actually i'm like hey um ace friends out there if you could give this issue a read and let me know if this is good representation i actually got overwhelmingly positive um feedback from that so i was like good job sex criminals way to go and just the various angles they look at our relationship with sex and the taboo around the topic to begin with i think is so fascinating that's like that was my favorite part of the story just talking about how we treat something that so many people do all the time as something that should never ever be addressed or talked about i think the way it handled that was absolutely beautiful and it's there's so much here i i'm I'm, I'm gonna pass it off to someone else because i'm just I keep getting lost for words.
4: (laughs) When I was fully in with sex criminals was the introduction of Anna Kincaid as a Mm. lecturer. And she's giving this talk about how um, sexuality is not binary and it's not even a spectrum, but it is infinite possibilities and whatever you are is just what it is what you're meant to be and and it is not it and it can't be fit in any kind of normative box like everybody is having their own individual sexual experience and because everybody is different then there's room like nobody should be ashamed and um and this comic takes that idea of infinite possible infinite possibilities and takes it even further by going like, well, if some people are asexual, then s- clearly some people can time travel, and some people's members glow, and and tentacles I- and tentacles, and it's like just a story about radical acceptance not just of others but radical acceptance of self
0: which I think is huge like mm-hmm. so so much of my experience in life thus far has been I feel like you you find out sex exists mm-hmm. you discover sex and then your whole life is being like we're somehow not allowed to talk about mm-hmm. this at least growing up in a conservative community it's the knowledge of like, Everyone around me has this shared experience that we're all just pretending doesn't exist. Mike Verbiglia,
4: all- the stand-up comedian, has a great bit about it. and he, like myself, also raised Catholic and so um, but he he has this bit about like whenever when you start masturbating and expressing yourself sexually, like um, it's like you discovered like something secret and something really, really cool. And then um, and then you find somebody else who's like into it too. And that's also cool and special. Like, they, like so the, it's a two-pronged thing where it's like, yeah, it's special and it's cool and it's expressive. It's your new superpower. But also it's really weird and you don't want your mom to know that you do it. And like, uh, yeah. And I think that um, Sex Criminals is really a celebration of those two things.
0: I agree. I like that sex criminals is weird yeah. because mm-hmm. it is a weird topic at the end of the day. it Whether or not it should be is a whole conversation. But the reality is that our society does tend to feel weird about the subject. And mm-hmm. so I like the idea of couching these deep conversations, these important characterizations within humor and within slapstick and sort of cringy little bits, I feel like this book knew exactly where to take the edge off, where to make me laugh after I had felt a deep emotion of some kind. I think that's one of its really big strengths
3: yeah, it's breaking the ice because it knows that tension is there. And they're like, we have a lot to say. And if you're going to listen, we have to make sure you're actually willing to sit here and take it. So if we make you enjoy the experience, if we make you realize like, yeah, this this concept is ridiculous, we're going to make some ridiculous jokes about it, that gets... that." I don't want to say it tricks people into sitting around, but it does get them to open up and actually be willing to experience the story. And I think it's a masterclass in using humor to elevate the point of your, um, your story.
0: So Lexi, you and I have come from the same background, right? We're siblings. Uh, What did you think of sex criminals? How do you feel like this played with our, our family's weirdness? Around the does that make
1: sense yes it does um I don't know I feel like reading this comic and also like knowing myself a little bit I hate to say it but like I would say we the family we did grow up in was always very accepting of everything that to a point point. and I to use myself as an example I was exposed to a lot at a very young age in a very negative light. And that was something that was very hard to navigate with parents that were absolutely rather die than talk about it. And so it just kind of made me feel, because we, to say, like, we see all of these things in media and culture. Like, all of the wild, different, like experiences that people are having, the things that they like, just it's all so different for everybody. And for a really long time, it seemed very like, hush, hush, don't talk about it. Like, oh no, like we don't, we don't talk about like, for example, like the self thing, like self pleasuring. We don't talk about that. And I feel like this book was written in a way that made me realize, and I mean, I'm 21 years old. Like I've known about this all for a long time. And It was written in a way that made me feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that has had experiences like this. Like, I know that Dallas, close your ears, but um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this scene where Susie discovers the quiet for her, very real, very, very real, and kind of made me gasp and close the book really fast. I was like, no, I don't need to be called out on my bullshit like this. and it just was so good to hear and like so it made me feel so good and like yes like this is a beautiful thing that needs to be talked about and everybody's experience is different so we all need to realize how different everybody is and i liked it i liked it a lot
4: another major like topic of sex criminals is that we all all of our sexuality is somewhat entangled with trauma and and um whether it's um, profound trauma, or just like you're, we're living in a society that um, represses us so that we can't express ourselves fully and we're dealing with that sort of trauma. And I think um, this book can really be about a liberation from that shame that we're all oppo- uh, like imposing on ourselves, but also kind of imposing on others by saying, like, I really don't want to hear this. You know what I mean? Like, not that I don't think that you should not have boundaries as particularly with your siblings, <laughs> but, but like going, having that kind of warm understanding of like, we're all on this planet doing the best that we can. And this is one aspect of, of being a human being.
2: And that, and that sex and pleasure is as essential to the life experience as as sleep and food and water or
4: that a relationship with it is an inevitable thing. And yeah. like for, for our asexual friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I, it's the great binder human experience that doesn't get talked about.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I have the panel where Dr. Kincaid is just saying, how do we define normal saved in my photo um, role? Because it just, it's such a great panel and it just means so much to me because it's, you know, when you're going through that, you're discovering your own sexuality, and especially when you're going up transgender and you don't even realize it. There's so many conflicting feelings there that just stay conflicting feelings for so long because you feel like you can't talk to anyone about it, and it takes a lot longer to figure things out when you're on your own, just trying to wade through the muck of what's going on with your own with your own body, your own desires, and what, your own identity. It's just, it's it, it's 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 a scary thing, you know. And it takes a while, and it's it's sad because it shouldn't. And I think that's being able to talk about this makes us realize that some of the things we thought are abnormal aren't as abnormal as we thought, and that does a lot to make people feel less alone, and I think that's very important.
0: I think for me, my favorite thing that sex criminals did was set up the issue in, number one, that sex education in America is lacking. Mm -hmm. and there and then be a sexually educational book throughout that there, what comes to mind for me is like the visit to the gynecologist Mm -hmm. issue where I can't think of another comic book that's quite like that issue you know (laughs) and I was reading it and I was within the safety of my own home this is not a train book for Dallas (laughs) there are train books and there are not train books and I was reading it and I just felt the need to like, to call my wife and be like, I want to have a conversation about this. And I was doing that over and over and over in the book. I feel like I'd read an issue and I wanted to talk with somebody about it. I want to be like, look at this thing that I learned, this perspective that I learned that I've never thought of before. That's so weird.
4: I never thought about like being a dude, like going like, how do I identify with this? Like I identify with this character now. So now I am curious about, what it's like to go to a gynecologist. Like, I love that.
0: Yeah. um, I feel like that's what a lot of being married has become has been like, there's this whole half of existence (laughs) that never crossed my mind in a million years. There I was deciding lightsaber colors and you were like, all of society is against me. And I was like, that's very nice. Uh, Anyway, the purple or the blue today.
2: Mm. Purple. And it's always purple. Always. Yeah, yeah. I was very thankful to have to do Sex Criminals on Comic Book Couples Counseling with Lisa, my wife, uh, because it did like it is a comic where, you know, I, I think it would be helpful to somebody who's, you know, more isolated. Like, I think if I was in high school and I had this book, I think it would have been helpful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But to be able to share this comic with somebody was just, um, I mean, it was like, you know, life giving. It was, I think it was very uh, informative, but also um, bridge building between Lisa and myself.
0: I like that. I think that's an accurate description of my relationship with the book as well. I, My wife and I love to pick like a theme for movies that we're watching. And so in February, we've been watching a lot of rom-coms and- this book feels like the book about after the rom-com. Like their their meet cute is in issue one. They have established that they like each other, which is the culmination of most rom-coms, right out of the gate. And so I feel like it's one of the few stories I've ever read about the relationship after that. And that was the most relatable aspect to me in reading Sex Criminals, was this is what it feels like to navigate a relationship after you've decided that you like each other But you're still individuals, you're still sorting each other out. And there are times your partner's going to be the worst, they're going to be the best. And within serialized fiction, we don't get a lot of that. We get a lot of the big breaks or a lot of the big coming together. But this book hangs out in the mundane periods in a way that really spoke to me and made me feel seen.
2: Well, that was one of the things that I struggled with in my journey with sex criminals is how it subverts narrative or traditional Western narrative. And, you know, I found myself, you know, I'm introduced to these people as a couple. That's the couple. I want them to be the couple. And when they're not the couple, what the hell is going on? (laughs) And, you know, listening to our last episode on volume six, uh, I, I was, I was really pleased to hear how much, how bothered I was by the conclusion of sex criminals and how I struggled with it. But now a year plus later, I'm like, Brad, what was your problem? (laughs) I I, like having sat on the comic for a year and revisiting the comic recently, the ending works so much more for me with so much time after my first reading. And I think a lot of that has to do with breaking down my expectations of what this kind of story is, which is absurd because there is no kind of story like sex criminals.
3: I'm really glad you brought that up because we were texting as a group right before we went on, because everyone's finished and we all had the exact same reaction when we hit the end of the story. It was to text each other and say, that's how this ends in like all caps. And it was, um, Hearing that, like that was the same for you at first, but then a year later it comes together. It makes me really interested because this was the first time I went. I read through it. I know Lexi was the first time you read through it. Dallas was yeah. this the first time you went through the whole thing? Okay, yes, it was. So first time experience for all of us, and that's that's really interesting. I can't wait to revisit this and see if I feel the same because. I can tell you, as of right now, I'm I I wasn't pleased with it. I, I'm like they. How I Met Your Mother does. I feel yeah. I feel betrayed. I feel um <laughs> I'm I'm upset. I I'm gonna <laughs> curl up in a ball and cry about it. It's it's one of those endings for me.
2: Yeah, and I think I think you have to live through that punch of an ending, mm-hmm. and you know when you revisit it, you know what's coming, and pun intended. Um, <laughs> and, and and the hurt. Or the shock or the surprise is less, and now you're left with, well, what does that mean? And I am st- I still don't know if I know what the meaning of the ending is.
4: To me, like, what disappoint- disappoints me about the ending of, now we're just talking about what we don't like, no. what What disappointed me about the ending of Sex Criminals? Is like once I got over the disappointment of investing so much in this relationship and having it not work out, which is life. sometimes you invest a lot and it doesn't work out. again, I
2: like we, we could talk about the ending. I don't know if it doesn't necessarily not work out. It's just where we're left with right, them.
4: right. That's true. But like, I feel like as a character, John has made so much more progress than Susie, where I feel like, When we met John, he was angry, he was closed off, his um, sense of sexuality was completely separate from his emotionality. And then as he grows closer to Susie and he begins to work on his trauma, he discovers, oh, I'm open to love. I'm open to a relationship. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like for me, but I'm willing to explore it and susie what like acts as if she wants to have a relationship and she does put a lot of effort into her relationship with john um particularly when he was going through his depressive period and she's like we need to make goals together real couples create goals like i do think that she put effort into it but particularly as we went towards the first like the end of volume six, she always had one foot out. And that foot was out from the beginning of the comic. And so to see her once again in a relationship that is not giving her the lightning, which is the exact place where we met her in the first book. Super now
2: disappointing. Yeah, it's yeah. just
4: like, to me, that's just a lack of um, character progress. In somebody I've invested like, in. Like
2: to me, that is the creators saying, like, no, what John and Susie had was special and can't be replicated. But then to sell that by saying, like, Suzy's relationship she's in now doesn't have lightning. She can find lightning. There's still other lightning out there to be found, Susie. Explore. Don't yeah. settle.
0: I do I do think that's really interesting. I think while Susie is the POV character, I feel like john is the darling of the book if that makes sense Mm
3: -hmm. you only
1: say that because he looks just like you
3: (laughs) yeah thank you for making that as uncomfortable as possible by pointing that out before we started reading this book (laughs) Yeah, i didn't want to read a freaking book
1: about my sister-in-law and my brother
3: all right yo weirdo (laughs) that's dallas and his glowing pingus. thank you
1: for (laughs) the
0: it's magic. What can I say?
1: Disgusting! Disgusting. You. <laughs> it's my
0: favorite thing I ever found, and I've been trying to show everybody.
1: since. <laughs> <sense. laughs>
0: I'm just kidding. That might be too much. Uh, well, it's real. Uh, anyway, I, I don't. I feel like I don't know Matt Fraction on a personal level. Obviously, and I feel like he's he's a little bit more reserved than some of the comics creators that we get to dig in here. Um. But it felt like John was the person that Matt Fraction was sorting things out through, if that makes sense. Like There were were a lot of conversations about depression and self-love and sorting through what it means to be a man in this comic book that felt like it feels like you're talking about you in a way that I don't think was ever quite there with Susie, which Mm -hmm. was disappointing because on its face, Susie's the main character. She's the one we're introduced to. She's the one that closes the book. But I think that's a a really good observation, Lisa, that she she doesn't seem to have much of an arc. She just is there pushing the narrative for John's arc.
4: And she does have her own trauma that is worth exploring and resolving. Like, I found,, um, when we revisited her like sexual awakening, which started with the library and finding the copy of Lolita on the grief shelf, And going like, and to highlight that um, Susie's sexuality is so entwined with the tragic death of her father and trying to escape the oppressive lack of emotion from her mother. Um, I think that is something that a lot of people could possibly relate to. Yeah. And... Um And a lot of the story I felt was about processing Susie's grief and for for her to not have any kind of landmark or milestones of that healing is just like a little
2: because disappointing. her landmark ends up being so tied to the narrative of Cooper Badal. Yes, and mm-hmm. like her her narrative release is it an emotional release? And yeah. I think that is the great frustration of the comic.
4: We do have like her, like the metaphor of her being outside of time at the, in volume six, where she, she disappears for a time. And we discover that she's like floating outside the timeline, mm-hmm. having this outside looking in kind of feeling. Yeah. Um. But I, I, again, I don't see how, like I, I wasn't satisfied to see how that revelation played out in her her actual life.
2: But that moment in the library with Lolita on the grief shelf, like talk about uh, amazing, profound writing. Like you hit that sequence and it does rock you. And mm-hmm. it, you, you do kind of want to like high five Fraction and Zadarski with a sequence like that. Yeah, um, really special. Yeah. Don't you want to talk to Kelly Sue DeConnick? yes so bad so (laughs) bad for many reasons i've been thinking a yeah yeah she's incredible for a lot of reasons for a lot of reasons for
4: other reasons including this
3: reason yes including the specific reason very much yes you have to use the others to break the ice on this one
2: (laughs) yeah that's a hundred percent true i
4: respect you very much
2: let's talk about your husband
0: I was laying in bed last night and I was like, I think what's great about Sex Criminals and what makes it work is I think the husband of the woman who wrote Bitch Planet doesn't get to write a gross comic book about sexuality. I was like, I don't think she'd let him. I think she'd beat him up, honestly. And I think that's what makes the book magic.
3: It's always great when there's a book that focuses on sex, but doesn't turn any of the characters into an object of the sexual focus it doesn't turn them into a sexual object and i really appreciate that because it keeps the human element inside every character in the story no matter their sexuality no matter their gender no matter their origin even just everyone's treated like a person and that's great and i hate the fact that that's one of the things i have to say good job comic you did better than a lot of others i hate that that's something that has to come up but it does
4: even cooper Badal, who is like Mm -hmm. the criminaliest of Mm -hmm. all possible criminals who's made the focus of his life traumatizing people and being cruel even he has an origin story where you're like oh that poor kid you know
0: yeah yeah um I think for me, one of the most profound characters was Dr. Anna Kincaid and having going off of what Andrew said about objectification and not letting this comic about sex become a comic about objectification. I thought Anna was one of the biggest triumphs because I think she, she says a lot of things that I feel like I personally needed to hear. Um, Maybe, maybe TMI, but something I felt important about with this comic was like again, growing up in a really conservative place and with no one wanting to talk about sex, like a lot of what was learned by me and my friends about sex was through pornography mm-hmm. and the sharing of that and the talking about that, and it it provides a really warped view of what is a really special thing. and I thought I thought the humanizing of someone who was a sex worker in this comic book. And having her have important conversations about how like what to her did not feel demeaning and what to her did feel demeaning was really interesting. I remember specifically the conversation between her and the um, the therapist. Dave D- Dave, I'm gonna call him Doug for this. His name's but, Doug. <laughs> um, but when she told Doug like you're you're trying to win sex with me because you need to prove something to yourself. You're not proving something to me. I like, I put the comic down. I like stared at the ceiling for a while. I was like, Oh boy. Is, is that what I feel like has been pitched to me for a lot of my life is like, as a man, you need to win sex, you know? And even, even in conversations about like, be like a dude that cares, be a dude that's like there for your partner. There's still like this undercurrent of like, and that will make you a good dude. Like, you're an awfully cool man if you can help your woman climax. It's still about you, though. Don't worry. You're still (laughs) so cool and special. And like to have that conversation in the comic book, it was important to me. And I feel like every time she opened her mouth, every time Dr. Kincaid was the focus, I was ready to learn something that my soul needed from this comic. And I'll always be grateful to the comic for that.
4: That's a, like another point about like just how much representation matters where like especially where we can seek out exactly what we want that's why we have to be more open at like as sex criminals is advocating for just conversation wise about about what sex is and what sex can be you know so that we're not just feeding ourselves you know the cocoa puffs of the sexual experience <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is poured cocoa puffs?
4: Yeah, because it's okay. not nutritious.
2: Okay, no, no, I you're got it. You're not
4: feeding yourself. All you're doing is you're hitting that dopamine button. It was a perfect metaphor.
1: That was that was actually thank gold. You. If I'm gonna thank be honest, thank you for affirming me.
0: So we <laughs> go just type in CocoaPuffs.com.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll never forget my mother-in-law. It's like one of her big big questions before I was allowed to get married was. Have you ever been to pornography.com? With like the biggest grin on my face, I was like, I have never been to (laughs) pornography.com. Never once.
2: Type that one in, Brandy. That is a novel title. Like pornography.com <laughs> or the whole sentence. Have you ever been to pornography.com? That is a memoir. To
1: sex criminals. I, I was just like, <laughs> I
0: was like, I don't even know where to go from this. Cause I know the conversation you're trying to have, but oh boy, this was as good as when my brother-in-law, her son storming out of the room went, you know what? What the shit? And stormed the I was like, This family doesn't know how to find porn or swear. What have I found? <laughs> What home, what Twilight Zone episode am I in? A great one. It was a good one. <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> but I yeah, I'm I'm grateful to, to Dr. Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Um, did what characters spoke to everybody else from the book? Because it has a really diverse and powerful cast. Oh
4: Lord. I'm also a Kincaid fan. I love Anna oh, yeah. Kincaid. Um, I also really liked the pair uh, of, um, I call her Rochelle because I'm reading names and there's extra letters in there. It might be Rachel. Do you guys say Rachel or do you say Rochelle? I think it was
3: Rochelle. I, I've said it Rochelle in my head, but I just call her Rach, because I know that happens a yeah. couple times.
4: Okay. Well, okay. Rach or Rochelle. I'm, I'm so glad you're saying Rochelle as well, because Brad was like, really? And I was like, yes. But uh,
0: You know, I don't know anything.
4: But <laughs> I liked the, uh, the
0: couple. That's the soundbite of the episode. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs>
4: um, I like the couple of Rochelle and Robert, because they were a couple who came from very different um modalities when it came to expressing it like okay um she was much more open and she was excited to be with someone who was less experienced than her and more buttoned up with than her she she had like a very get on my magic carpet i can show you a world and um and it caused him to like emotionally shut down for a bit and go like i'm not ready to see your you know your folder of dick pics like I'm just you know it makes me uncomfortable to think about you with other people and the fact that they could work through that to get to a place where they are still together and happy and building a family I think it's just really a really nice subplot
3: yeah I'm glad you brought that I've really liked seeing um Dr. Rainbow's journey with his own sexuality and trying to come to terms with just the fact that he was so I'm not sure if like um like repressed was the right word, but he was just so unsure of himself. It's it's funny, especially because he was the um the OBGYN, so he's like, everyone expects I'm supposed to be really, really comfortable with this stuff, and he's just not. And I think it speaks to how many um how many different experiences there are growing up in, you know, dealing with sex and dealing with sex education. I think it's just really great to see that perspective of it. I think it's everyone else in the book is very sex positive very like go 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 when it comes to sex so seeing someone who's just like i'm not willing to take my foot off the brake just yet was very refreshing and i think that journey was fun
4: he's also vanilla which i'm just Mm -hmm. like hey that's my people (laughs) (laughs) represented and seen
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i'm pretty basic john is like my gateway character and and so the character that I'm most focused on when I'm reading it. Mm. Uh, but Myrtle Spurge, I think is a really unique creation as well. And the way that she's introduced and in, is like the, you know, the sex police show up, like when the sex police show up and the, the comic goes to a place, you're like, well, well, I don't know what this comic is. And you're so excited to explore the mythology around what the sex police could possibly be. And then, when you start to realize that she is not the villain of the story and that she has this whole universe going on around her and this relationship that she has with her family and then what's in the basement. And I, 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 I it's another character where I feel like the, the biggest kink in this entire book is Zdarsky and infractions kink for subversion. Mm-hmm. And it starts there in a lot of ways with Kegel face. Um, And yeah, so that would be, that'd be like after John, after Anna Kegel face.
0: (laughs) She's definitely the character that I, that subverted me the most Mm -hmm. for sure. I feel like I, I had to ask myself some questions because I, I really did not like her right out of the gate. And I feel like I was harder on her than every other character. And then the more I thought about that, the more I was like, we really are more hard on middle-aged women and their sexuality than everybody else. I was like, huh, Dallas Taylor, you got to look inward a little bit.
2: Well, and the narrative presents her as a villain, right? Mm -hmm. Like You live with what you think she is for the longest time. And slowly but surely, you go, oh, every character here has a life outside of what we are being presented in the first few volumes, Definitely. I think her, her flowering into
0: a character after meeting Dave, the therapist, was really interesting, like refinding a spark of joy later in life. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're expected to play out the railroad of the rest of our life that we decided on at a younger age. And anyone that subverts that is seen as a bad person that's tearing everything down. I thought seeing her carry the guilt of having found new joy outside of what she'd already established was interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's a pattern that I feel like I've seen a lot and was therefore interesting to see in a comic book.
2: I kind of wish that that particular relationship was explored more. And I I almost wonder if there could have been another volume or two of sex criminals Mm -hmm. that would Mm -hmm. have, made everything kind of come together in that 69th issue uh, be a little stronger. I don't know.
4: Yeah, because she ended up kind of in a samey place as well.
2: Yeah. And, and and Dave, like Dave's not even like mentioned really in the last volume. And I think I think there's something to be explored with that character.
3: Yeah. He was a fun character, and I have to mention, like as like the resident queer, I have to put it out there for Alex and also um Dewey and Bud, mm-hmm. who are just the cutest couple. They're seeing them at the wedding. That was my favorite part about um issue young because I'm like, at least someone ended up together. Thank goodness I'm here for this. But that issue with Alex, that I think it's like issue twenty or something like that. That whole issue is next to Kincaid's um lecture issue is probably my favorite single issue in the whole run just because it's not that often that the queer experience gets delved into this deeply in comics and it was informative for me who's i'm not asexual myself so getting to learn more about someone who is was that means a lot to me and i'm like i really wish that like issues like this existed for like transgender people because it's like just the fact that they're willing to say she says I am asexual in the book. That's something that you don't see a lot for a lot of identities that aren't just, um, LGB. And it's, it was great to see. I, I love books that prove that if you just put like a little bit of research into it, you just talk to some people, you can still tell compelling stories about people from this community without, you know, stumbling over your own feet. And I really appreciate that. And I thought using her, the thrill of like, um, what, what's the wrong with like, um, you know jumping diving um being a thrill seeker i thought that making that her quiet moment was really really great because i know for a lot of asexual people they're just kind of depicted as like kind of emotionless in a lot of media so showing it's like no they're still human they still have the um <laughs> the the urge to do things they still feel this the thrill they feel this adrenaline rush just for different things i thought that was very important and i like her a
2: lot
4: i wish there was more alex Um, I I thought, especially with how strong her introduction was um, and how insightful she was. Felt like a
2: major player.
4: Yeah, from the get-go, her being being this, you know, she saw herself as an alien, as an outside observer. And there are key moments where her perspective is, like, you know, very valuable, particularly any scene where they're in the diner together. Alex is going to drop some bombs. But, like, other than that, we, like, we didn't get to, we didn't get enough. We didn't get enough Alex though. I do like that. um, She was at the wedding with Anna. And I think that that was kind of uh, like a beautiful, uh, like that, that even though she is asexual, she might be in a place where she is romantic and, and Anna, her relationship with her sexuality, where it's been, you know, uh, you know, with her injury and and um, then her career, like it was a, a tough road to hoe. So, well, like, fully
2: explored. In yeah, yeah.
4: And so now they're both, you know, in a, in a different place um, from when we meet them, I think is very cool.
0: Very much so. I like it a lot. Do we want to talk about... Um, so looking at our list of characters here, we haven't talked a ton about, like we just mentioned, Bud. Mm-hmm. And uh, Douglas D. Douglas. Do we want to talk a little bit about, about some of those characters? I feel like it was Bud Chip Zdarsky, and I, Chip Zdarsky being drawn into this comic was my favorite thing. I picked up on in like volume three <laughs> it was like every side character was Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> it made me very happy to realize. Um, but especially in issue sixty nine. I was like, is this Matt and Chip getting married? They kind of look like Matt and Chip nowadays.
2: <laughs> I, I, am I, am I, I, I crazy? Th- I don't think you're necessarily crazy. I, I definitely feel like this comic book is as, as much about them as anyone. Um, and that is both great and the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, like the meta stuff can work so well and also be like um, – an annoyance for me uh at times um but but, like i i had not seen zadarsky in that particular character
4: those two characters had probably the cutest meet cute though where where bud was in this like intensely low place and doug did i did i miss say the wrong word did i say bud I no, hope I did. You no. said you said Bud. Okay, sweet. Um, uh, Bud was in this like intensely low place, and Doug just was just open in that moment. And Doug was like, "I want to talk about your feelings. I see that you're hurting," and their their love came from this place of profound empathy. Uh, and I I just really liked that.
2: How did um, we feel too. about them becoming YouTube celebrities?
0: I feel like speaking of your your meta stuff getting annoying. That was like the one meta joke I didn't like was like in volume six and being like, "We're done with jokes. Here's the joke page." That I I never. I was like one of the one jokes I never laughed at. I was that like,
2: that was one of that was what I was inferring to. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was
0: like, I don't I don't like this. I don't like that you've recognized that this last volume is like just straight plot, so you can be done with sex criminals, and so you're like laughing at it with these little one-offs i don't know. I, I felt like i got annoyed by them when i shouldn't have because i loved their meat cute so much
4: they always came across it always came across as um uh not like not only not funny but profoundly uncomfortable those like little pagination things i did not like it
2: yeah yeah
4: are we talking about the same thing we are okay good yeah yeah, I just, to me, I just felt it, it made me feel uncomfortable. It, it underscored how uncomfortable it was.
0: Yeah, which was sad because a lot of the other meta commentary stuff really did work for me. Mm-hmm. Like the conversation between Chip and Matt about how they're going to do the the conflict. I liked that. I liked the like the three panels where they were like, and everyone meets and immediately gets each other back to the interesting part. like mm-hmm. That made me laugh. And I liked that.
2: And, like, the endless background jokes that Zadarsky puts in, mm-hmm. very, very, like, you know, chuckle-worthy.
0: They're very funny. The little I... Charlie Brown one with his face on it, I can't <laughs> look at and not crack up and die. I... I can't think about it too long or else I start to laugh.
3: I, I tell you what, the, um, the scene where they're in Commonwealth, the store, not the, um, the orgasm place, when they're in the store and there's a section of porn movies that just says Obamacore, <laughs> that has been living rent-free in my head all week because I'm still trying to wrap my head around what those videos are like.
2: Oh man. My, I was in desperate need of Obamacore during the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: just it's just spe- it's just his keynote speech from <laughs> 2012. There's <laughs> every DVD. Say, so we're gonna come together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so.
0: Oh my god. Uh, no. do you do you remember Something what it was like a of order? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember what it was like to have a president that you liked. Uh <laughs>
1: Right.
0: <laughs> Alexis, who was your favorite character in Sex Criminals?
1: Um, I don't know. I would say for myself, I put myself in like the hopeless romantic category. So Suze and John together were my favorite people. Suze, I very much saw myself and like how she discovered herself and all how she holds herself. And I don't know, I, I feel like so, like, icky and gushy because I hate talking about my relationship. But, like, every time that they would be like, this, like, this guy, like, this fucking guy, I'm like, oh,
2: oh that's
1: that's Mike Carson, oh. And then I'd hiss and get grumpy about it. But um, I don't know, like, I feel like when you just find someone that you just are on the same page with, I just felt so seen by that and I just... I don't know. I loved it. I feel like it makes a good amount of like that romance in with like the real life of being in a relationship with each other and like the physical aspect of that. And I just feel like it mixed it in with so many different funny parts. Like I, <laughs> we talked, uh, we touched on a second of them making goals together and I, I, when I tell you the the two little panels of her, with like, her funny face, and she goes, but my markers. Yes. I cackled about that because I was that girl in high school that had, like, the multicolored markers for, like, terrible topics in history. I don't know. Like, Goog- like doodling on my notes about the Great Depression. I don't know. Something. <laughs> and it just, it, I felt so seen. I was like, oh, yeah, this, like, this is funny shit right here. And so, I don't know. I just clung to those two. And I love, I loved them both.
4: That is Brad and I too, where like, I'm definitely like, um, I, I make like in the other room, I have my vision board. Have I ever made gotten Brad to make a vision board? Not once. Like her going like my markers. Like that's, that's like every day.
1: <laughs> that's I me. felt,
0: I felt it today. I can always tell when my wife likes to set like year out goals, basically, It's like my job to run the day-to-day. But then she'll be like, I think we're going to move to New York in six months. And I'm like, we are. Are we? And she's like, yes. And then just begins to plan it. And now we're here. And so today we were walking down the street and she's like, I think I'm going to be ready to build a home in like two years. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's going to start getting the board out. She's going to. But I just, I felt it. I felt I felt this comic book so often where I would send panels to my wife and be like, this is us right here. (laughs) And it's funny talking. I feel like everyone I talk to feels that way about this book where these characters are so easy to imprint on and be like, oh, I'm just like that. That's pretty cool.
4: I wish we had a long-term goal spouse. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Like, (laughs) even though I do make a vision board, have I gotten anything done? No. (laughs)
0: she's she's a force of nature honestly there there are times when i'm like this is worth saying no and then there are other times i'm like we are gonna remodel that bathroom you know (laughs) and i'm just gonna buy a couple extra books because (laughs) i'm gonna decompress she
2: needs to manifest us a new couch
1: yeah yeah Yeah, but see i feel like on the flip side though there we see multiple couplings throughout the the volumes. And I thought it was also funny to look at Dr. Rainbow. And um, I said, Rachel, I'm sorry. I kept quiet during that, but she's right. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I just thought it was so funny also to see their relationship. And I like also TMI, but I, at the very beginning of our relationship, that was very similar to one that I had. And it, Kind of, I mean, for me specifically, it was the opposite reaction. It was very, like, yes, come on to my little magic carpet and we'll go have very, like, all the fun in the world. And it was great. So I feel like, for me, each relationship kind of in my mind was a different stage. Like, um, like the beginning was Dr. Rainbow and Rachel. And then the middle is, like, you fall into this great um, relationship with like Suze and that. And then you kinda move on to like, I don't know, the old middle age relationship too, where it just kinda gets weird and you don't really know what you're doing anymore. And I don't know, it just it's just fun. You like open it up for experimentation. So I don't know. I saw the different stages in the different relationships, which I thought was really fun too.
3: Before we do anything else, I want to point out. I just um, I just googled something very important. It is pronounced Rochelle. Yeah, because it is a French no! version of the name.
0: So, is French even a real language? Right.
2: No, French it's is not.
3: Real, and we have French friends. So, watch yourself, Dallas.
0: <laughs> Sounds made up to me.
2: American. <laughs> uh,
0: there's only one language, and it is American. <laughs> the I'm the
1: French <laughs> on you. Yeah, they're, they're gonna come. It's gonna they're happen.
0: made up, so I'm not scared. <laughs> It's a pretend well, country. It's
1: a nervous laugh. We're, <laughs> we're going to get canceled.
0: <laughs> That's always the goal. It's always the goal to say something that stupid. It's true. And you hit that goal so often. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> no, I think the epitome You're... of it was the softball team, man. We're no coming back from that. <laughs> You're
3: welcome.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So do we want to shift into a discussion on themes a little bit? Yeah. The we've talked a bit about these different relationships, but there's
3: so many and they kind of shift through the um through the story, whether it's, you know, John and Susie or whether it's um Douglas and Bud. Does everyone have a favorite relationship in this in the story? Bonus points if it's not the main one.
4: I feel attacked.
0: <sighs> I feel attacked as well. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anne. We're playing dodgeball, and she just pegged all of us.
1: My favorite relationship is Suze's mom and her electronics. (laughs) (laughs) And how she burns the house down. You know,
4: Suze's mom is a super dynamic character. Love her. Like, I would read her comic book in a second. (laughs) Because if you think about where she's coming from with um, the sudden death of her husband Mm -hmm. and – going through substance abuse and all different forms of numbing to finally discover like, Hey, I have, you know, I want to become uh, a mentor and a model for being female and sexual, you know, like, you know, that's not a bad choice.
1: Yeah. She's kind of fun. She kind of spicy and kind of fun. Yeah. Honestly, queen. Yeah. (laughs) She
0: reminded me of my mother-in-law too often, too many times. (laughs) I was like, like, when when she was standing at the chalkboard without her pants on talking about her <laughs> vagina, I was like, this is my mother-in-law, and I'm going to read this part fast.
3: <laughs> See, that's interesting, because there's relationships in here, and not all of them are sexual. The cure... Um, We were talking about earlier, I think one of the relationships that I wish I'd seen more of was Susie and her mom. Mm -hmm. Because when her mom pops back into the picture for the first time, and she's such a completely different person than when we last saw her, which I think was like issue one, it took me by shock at first. Because I'm like, wow, you went through some changes. Good for you, but you went through some changes, and I kind of want to get some more background here. And I wish that had been fleshed out a little bit more. I think that would have helped Susie out too. Because we just see the, the intro just like her darkest state and then immediately to the rebound. And I would have liked to see that grow just a little bit more.
0: I feel like this comic could have, like Brad said earlier, it could have really been helped by a few more volumes. Mm -hmm. I feel like my overall impression of sex criminals was man. You wanted to end it by volume six. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the Cooper Badal storyline is so wild Like it feels like they race through it. And I don't know if I necessarily like want to like live in that world, that plot line. Um, But also maybe I do, maybe there wasn't like if we explored Cooper Badal a little bit further, there would be something more there than what we are ultimately left with. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, the Cooper Badal storyline is all narrative and the frustration I have with it is like the final volume becomes all narrative until issue 69.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me, the magic of sex criminals was never the narrative. Like I yeah. never cared that much about robbing the banks. I never cared that much about the sex cops. I cared about all the individual people. And mm-hmm. so I think I, I, I'm really trying to remember how much I loved volumes one through five, but the, the shift to just straight narrative for volume six really left me with complicated feelings about the series. Cause I don't feel like it ended mm-hmm. on the note that I was hoping for. Not yeah. even like, I don't really care about the ending them being together. Just, it felt like that like you said all of volume six would just plot. And then all of a sudden we had the flash forward. I don't feel like I got to see people make decisions to that point.
2: And it feels like the first five volumes, you know, it's all about exploring character and emotion mm-hmm. and in the internal experience of being a human. And then Chip and Matt want to end the, like, they, they've got to wrap it up because they want to move on or away from sex criminals mm-hmm. as their comic book baby, um, which I guess I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, i i I could have just lived with conversations between these characters for the final wrap up. Um,
4: yes, to that, but also more robbing banks. I love a heist. More. I love a I love a heist story. Like
2: this is a plot that you could give to a dozen writer artist combos and get a dozen different title like types of stories. Yeah, like it- I think there's a lot to be mined by the concept of having sex, stopping time, doing a heist. <laughs> I
0: mean, that's a that's a perfect setup, frankly. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things
3: about it is just that sci-fi aspect of it, of just like, hey, your orgasm gives you superpowers. I love that that takes a backseat to a lot of the character stuff. And I think, yeah, that is one of the weird things about volume six is how much that takes the forefront um dallas i know i lost my mind when they started making the um from hell references and they're like what is the fourth dimension i'm like i'm i'm gonna lose my absolute mind i was gonna text to
1: Gingus, the and say baby. i'm not coming
4: back <laughs> i'm
3: like i cannot do this
0: right it now. it all comes back to and from then, hell every yeah. time and it's then all they- about from hell
3: it and then they do the the funniest things i just realized i'm like they just made the speed force but for orgasms they made like the (laughs) o-force and then she even gets kicked out of it and like barry allen she has to find her lightning rod to come back (laughs) i don't think barry allen's allowed
0: in the o-force no no he's he's definitely not i think he found the speed force Mm -hmm. because he never found the quiet (laughs) that's my assessment of barry allen (laughs)
2: Oh, my God.
1: Heavens.
0: All of his comics focus around, like, I have got a lot of energy, so I'm going to go for a run. <laughs> I just lost breath.
4: <laughs> you nearly killed my spouse. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was That's the entire Flash problem here, is Wally West is the one that, fa- he literally found the Speed Force. He found the Quiet. He was the Happy Flash. And then all of a sudden, they're like, what if we brought back the one that... They're just gonna go for a jog and eat an entire raw potato. It's like Barry Allen needs to sort some things out, frankly.
2: Oh my god.
0: He is the worst Flash.
2: Goodness.
0: True oh, though. It's just the facts, honestly.
4: Flash facts.
0: Flashback. Barry Allen has never been to the quiet. <laughs>
4: Not that there's any shame in that.
0: There's no shame there's in that. Not, there not. is
4: no spectrum. We're all just a, a cloud of wasps.
0: You are. You are. Ta- you are right.
4: <laughs> I'm.
3: I'm quoting that. I expect that in someone's Twitter bio, bio tomorrow. <laughs> We're all just a cloud of wasps.
0: Oh boy, that's what my high school graduation party felt like. Was a cloud of wasps.
3: <laughs> that's what my tenth one's gonna be like. I can't wait to go back conservative town, hello. (laughs) Things have changed.
0: You're like, shalom.
3: (laughs) Oh my gosh. (sighs) Anything else we wanted to cover here? I know Lexi, you were talking a little bit about how much the the, um, themes of communication and trust meant to you.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, we specifically got to see it with, I mean, Susie and John, but um, I liked the scenes where Suze was talking to, was it Rochelle? Is that what we decided her name was? Yes. Okay, Rochelle. Um, (laughs) Where they're kind of talking about how John keeps bringing home these fancy little bags and leaving them everywhere for her. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I was kind of okay with it when it was a one time, but now it's kind of a little too far. And how it kind of brought up like a funny thought. Like, oh, yeah, okay, we get to all explore ourselves with our partner and it's a two-way street of communication but like it just I don't know it kind of put up the thought of when do we need to have another conversation about things and I like the way that they went about it of um I don't know like there were just multiple times throughout that they had conversations about things that they liked and they kind of spitballed from each other and I felt also very seen by that. I liked how they did that. And it was like, always a positive thing for both of them. They never were like offended or I know that I have specific friends who I've had conversations with that like they'll bring something up with a spouse and their spouse will like get offended and get grouchy about it and like don't want to talk about it. And then they... it becomes a negative thing-, thing for them. So I liked having that positive look for that.
2: I think one of the things that the, that relationship explores is the idea of people are on their own journeys and in a couple. And when you first encounter each other, you're one person, but you keep changing like, and you can't not change. But sometimes when we see change in our partners, it's weird. Uh, And you have to be, you have to be open to your partner changing and, conversing through that change
4: and hurting each other's feelings is inevitable and it's
2: part of the process and
4: there's and you're always negotiating like is this is this something that i bring up is this something that i excuse is this something and it's a constant negotiation but i think um where you want like where you want to get with a partner is to the place where like you can get in an argument and you'll trust that you'll still be together on the other side. And I think one of the reasons Susie and John did not work is they never got to the place where they didn't feel like one or the other of them was going to, to leave.
2: So, well, can we talk about the ending then with them? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So when, she goes into like where she starts to have access to possibilities we see her in bed with somebody when she is older and we never see the back of that person and i spent a lot of time looking at that panel and going like can i recognize anything about this person in john like could this be john and do we feel like at the end of 69 there's no chance that they could connect back up in their circular nature of a relationship.
0: See, in my personal reading of it, I feel like they were apart while they needed to figure out who they were, but I was working on the assumption they would come back together after she had gotten her PhD after he was a little bit more firm. Like I, I don't know, maybe I'm just a, I, I want it bad enough that I'm seeing it, but I feel like, to me, the best versions of themselves would find each other again. And that was kind of the reason they were holding hands on the beach at the end.
4: I think that that oh, was the I implication. I think that that was the implication that they would inevitably circle back or at least always remember each other fondly. But I think it is intended to be uh, Schrodinger's lover where you you don't know their relationship is both alive and dead, which is like the Can least Can we fun. trademark that? <laughs> That's gonna be my my uh, romance novel that I'm gonna write. (laughs) Schrodinger's
2: lover. Oh my goodness, I love that.
4: Um, But but yeah, I think it's I I, like to me it both being John and not being John. Like, is that like a brave ending or is that just like a cop
2: out? Is it or is it Matt and Chip going like subversive? My king, (laughs) we're not gonna give you what you want.
3: It's like I feel like I I want to give a deeper answer to that, but I feel like it's something that I would have to read the series again and take notes about like every interaction they've ever shared, trying to figure out what are you trying to tell me here? Because it could I could see it either of those ways. I know the way my heart told me to take it, where it's just like I, I, I saw it as just them being, hey, we're subversive for the sake of being subversive. Haha. See, relationships sometimes don't always work out, and we're going for that like kind of realism aspect. But I could definitely go back and feel like I could find nuggets in there. Just little lines, just little throwaway lines that could change the entire ending, the entire meaning of that ending. So it's it's fascinating. It's a book that I would like to revisit eventually for that specific reason.
0: I feel like I have somehow bumped into a lot of these stories lately. I feel like a lot of romance things nowadays are like, and they didn't end up together, but the journey is important as well. And I just... There's a little part of me that just wants the gooey again. You know, I was like, I want true love. I would love for this to be the princess bride again. Please (laughs) give me that feeling.
2: I I mean, it's something that Lisa and I talk a lot about on our podcast. You know, the end goal in, uh, again, Western narrative is often like they get together happily ever after, but then there's a sequel and they break up, you know, like, and then so there's very few stories where. The couple is the driving force of the narrative. Like, it's we have the mummy trilogy, and that is it. And that's why the mummy is so good. It's really good.
0: Yeah, you you Brendan Fraser and a couple that works. Look yep. at that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the mummy, it's a perfect trilogy of movies. Um, but I think that that's all I have to say about mm-hmm. Six Criminals. Does anyone have any? Final statements on Sex Criminals before we shift over
2: into listener questions. Well, Anne mentioned that she would like to revisit it at some point in the future. Do we all feel like this is a comic worth revisitation?
1: I would say so. I enjoyed it.
2: I'm kind of on the fence, actually.
0: I feel like I really loved it for a lot, but I feel really sour about that end honestly oh, and i i have this thing currently where i have a very finite space for my comics and i went and i got the nice hard covers for this i was like i know i'm gonna love it i love both these creators and now i'm like do i get rid of these hard covers do i sell <laughs> no. them to someone as me like divorcing this comic like you don't get to stay on the shelf you you're wronged drama me. King. i am
1: you're, a
0: drama king send you're, you're send andy i don't want to play with you anymore and just like, drop just exactly <laughs> exactly I, I just feel oh. wrong. I was like, do you get shelf space when you've misbehaved comic book?
2: Wow. <laughs> wow. That's the review. That's the review. Brutal. I, I would. I was right there with you mm-hmm. until you made me revisit Sex Criminals. Because <laughs> we were very positive on volume six in our podcast because we want to be a positive celebra- celebration, celebratory mm-hmm. voice. Off the mic, I was like, I was really burned by the ending. Mm-hmm. Revisiting it for you, I got a lot out of that ending again. And I think, I think it is a comic, like, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, where when I watched that film when I was 10, it was one thing. When I watched it when I was 20, it was another thing. I think Sex Criminals has the ability to morph with you.
0: I like that. I like that.
4: I'm of the opinion that I'm not going to revisit it.
0: You're a prude. (laughs) It's
4: it's not just that. Like, there's a lot, like, theme-wise, I I think that there are a, a lot of important ideas in Sex Criminals. I love what it has to say about, like, sexuality. There is no normal. Why are we trying to... Um, measure everybody against this thing that doesn't exist. I think that that's important. Um, I think that um, trying to tease out your sexuality from your trauma is also very important. Do I think that I will trust uh, Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction infinitely to cover those subjects? No, I, I-, I would love to see more stories dealing with this. Like I, I'm satisfied with the conversation that I had with this book, um, but I, like I, I do think that there is a better version of these conversations out there somewhere.
2: So would you like a Sex Criminals universe where other creators come in and play? No. Oh, okay.
4: That that relates to my prudishness Okay. <laughs> directly.
0: It's like a Fast and Furious franchise, but just Sex Criminals.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're on Sex 10.
3: <laughs> the sexy you.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> Sexy. that's what's on pornography.com actually oh. is, is, that's, that's, i have never been there you.
1: tell your mother-in-law
0: <laughs> ne- never been
1: i don't think anybody's ever been i don't think anybody has .com.
0: i there was like a morbid curiosity after she said it and i was like ah, i'm good
2: still <laughs> <laughs> gotta go to that dark web <laughs>
0: uh, brad doesn't hold the views of this podcast Please don't go to the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never been. Um, all right. Should we do some listener questions? We got a bunch this week.
3: Absolutely.
0: All right. Um, from Sean McLaughlin, uh, Sex Criminals. Hi, guys. If you could change the name of the comic, Sex Criminals sounds really bad out of context. What would you change it to? Alexis said she has a great answer and wants to go first.
1: Oh, I thought of this last night. I thought I was so funny. I decided it should be named the Hanky Panky Heisters. <laughs> I love funny funny that. It?
4: I would oh read that. <laughs> Hanky Panky Heisters. I'm
3: okay. How do you follow uh, that up? I I yep. I was thinking during the show I wrote down. <laughs> during dallas's long um little um story he was telling and i don't know how this came to me but um just missionary impossible
2: (laughs) oh (laughs) man oh that's good
1: that's a good one (laughs)
2: I like that You are so much
0: funnier than I am. I've got nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We know. It's okay. You got this. That's the only question I had an answer to, so skip over (laughs) me for the rest of them.
2: Like, it it is when you're trying to talk to somebody who has never heard of sex criminals before, and they are a comic book fan, or maybe they're not a comic book person, and you say, like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm reading Sex Criminals, and I would highly recommend Sex Criminals. You have to go through the whole. Pro- I understand it's not. It sounds bad. It's not like what you think it is, uh, but it is also way worse than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like to me, like if you just called it the quiet, I think oh. would be an easy way to sell it. Like, is it as salacious as calling the book "Sex Criminals"? I think calling the book "Sex Criminals" speaks to again Fraction Zadarsky's like impish behavior. Um, and I think they find it hilarious. You know, uh, it's, just, it's the same people who called their book just the tip, you know, um, <laughs> they're children and they love being children. Uh, but I like I like the quiet, although Missionary Impossible and the Hanky Panky Heisters is I mean, I'd read those also.
3: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: I like the idea of the quiet being written in all lowercase, you know, like it's a fancy mattress store. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
2: Come world, we could call come it Come world. world. Let's just go right there.
1: See, I think that's worse. We're I would worse rather than. say sex criminals.
0: <laughs> I don't think I have one. I think I have to plead the fifth on this one. I have nothing clever to say.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, you
3: used it all up in you're cold open. I need that on a T-shirt. I have nothing clever to say. Dallas Taylor,
2: <laughs> Twitter bio. Exactly. Exactly. I'll wear it
3: the, the first time we meet. I'll wear that shirt. and We can take a picture with me wearing it. Love Fantastic. It.
0: It's got
3: perfect.
0: a plan. All right, uh, Miguel Justino says, "Hello, Comics Collective. What was your first exposure to the comedy of Chip Zdarsky?" Mine was reading a tie-in to the original Sin storyline involving Nick Fury interviewing a whole bunch of characters about their secrets and laughing out loud at every panel. Have a fine day, Comics Collective. So, what what was our exposure to Chip Zdarsky? Everybody, this
1: one. As far as I know,
0: it's a good exposure. <laughs>
1: Exposed a lot, honestly. <laughs> Very exposed with that one.
2: It was um, also my first. Chip Zdarsky was sex criminals, um, but I love so many of his other comics. Now, like, I really like his uh, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider Man, and Stillwater is, I think, really sh- a strong comic as well.
3: Oh yeah, it's kind of funny to me because, like, the first like Zdarsky comic I got really into was actually his Daredevil. Oh yeah, Daredevil. So polar opposite everything in this book it's not meta it's not like overly humorous it's very serious very character-driven tale still but you know in a very very different way
2: a daredevil way
3: in a daredevil way <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think my first exposure to his comedy was actually his twitter timeline to be honest i think his tweets
0: are the first time i'm like this guy's actually pretty hilarious i i I think it was actually his podcast was my first (laughs) exposure to the kind of funny that he is. Cause I, I met him with daredevil and then I liked it enough that when I found out that he had Zadarsky and his amazing friends, I was like, Oh, I love, I love comic book interview podcasts. I'll give this a try. And he was so charming and funny for me personally there. It's funny. Like, I think I have a Zadarski limit of funny, <laughs> where I was like, you have funnied enough. I'm going to put you away for a little while. And so I haven't listened to the podcast in a while, but it really showed me how funny of a guy he was and prepared me for sex criminals, I think.
2: He did a uh, a short comic strip with Donny Cates about Spider-Man and I, I'm, I'm gonna, this is like the worst thing to explain a memory of a short strip that you <laughs> are barely grasping onto where Spider-Man is an actual spider. And I remember that being very funny, but it's been like six years since I've read that or experienced it. Great story, we'll Brad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll find it. I I know what you're talking about. I just, I can't add anything because I don't remember it that well either. So I'm right there with you. I remember thinking this is funny and (laughs) I've got nothing else to add.
3: (laughs) I've heard great things about his Howard the Duck. And that feels like it'd be very much something similar to this.
0: I've heard his Jughead is really good that he did with Erica Henderson. And I love Erica Henderson. So I'll probably give that a read, honestly. All right. We have, uh, any any prudish people in the room, please cover your ears, oh. listeners. Um, friend of the pod, Evan, wrote in, and he says, dot, 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 dot. Who do you think is better at cunnilingus, John or Oliver Queen?
1: <laughs> oh, I missed I, I, one episode and these hooligans.
3: Look, they keep saying it was 10 minutes. I really don't think it was 10 minutes. I And I'm too scared to go back and figure it. out if
0: they're right or not. <laughs> I vote blame Kevin Smith for I am not culpable. I, it wouldn't have come up if Kevin Smith didn't write it twice. Look, I,
3: I, there's no way that goatee is comfortable. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, yeah, Scratchy. Lisa
2: and I were having a conversation about this and <laughs> Initially, we were like Oliver Queen. But the goatee thing is yeah. important. <laughs> and I think it might be John.
1: I think John that, did um, have a mustache.
4: I like right. I think that uh it, it's it's hard to say. Um but I think it would be Oliver Queen because he believes that he is good at sex, therefore he will try harder. <laughs> Whereas, like, I feel like John has so much self-loathing that the second he becomes self-conscious, he'll stop.
2: And mm. in the Kevin Smith story, like when he doesn't want to have a conversation,
4: yeah, he's
2: gotta he's gotta shut down that argument quick. Yeah, so he's gotta be really good at that.
4: <laughs>
2: There's no fumbling around. Yeah, yeah. An argument. straight
4: to the point.
2: Yeah, and he is a marksman.
4: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. That that was
0: good. That was good. That was Um, good. That was the answer. I I think (laughs) I think that is correct. But my answer is I think Oliver Queen thinks he's better, but I think John is better, is my answer. I think John is like, I'm the worst at this. It's like you're actually really great. And Oliver Queen's like Ah, nailed it, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, please Do you clap. Think that it's Black like,
4: Canary would not say something. She's was an say, empowered woman. Yeah.
3: Take the men out of the equation for a second. The only one that's given some good feedback about this conolingus kind of has been Black Canary, who several <laughs> times did mention that he was making her pretty merry. So like <laughs> gross. The only one who's gotten some feedback here. I'm just saying, if we're going off their like you know, like their um their Yelp reviews
1: <laughs> Then again, I feel like I... the quiet is
0: It's quite the open.
1: Yeah, it's quite the open. I'm gonna throw it out.
0: Does it stop time and space or does it stop an argument? (laughs) Well it absolutely
4: like oh man.
2: Like I mean I I would
4: bathtub is the best. It's
1: true,
2: it's true. My wife, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, I I got nothing. We were
1: thinking it. She just said it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's like, who's better? The showerhead is better than both of them
1: mm, Yep
3: <laughs> Just Thanos with his gauntlet, I'll do it
1: myself <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh
3: It's the comics
0: collective, ladies oh, and Evan. gentlemen and <laughs> Oh, Evan,
3: <non-fighters>. Evan, Evan <laughs> Evan, I'm gonna get you for this Oh my question god
1: Question rights have been revoked From Evan <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Uh, Conrad LaCroix writes in and says, Comics Collective, how would you rate this book among your favorite books?
2: Whoa, whoa, that's a big question.
4: I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite books.
2: It's not even my favorite Fraction or Zdarsky books. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I... I also think this book suffered from coming off the tail of me reading All of Saga, which is my favorite Mm -hmm. comic book, Mm -hmm. and it's also very sex-positive and subversive. So then I read this, and I was like, you aren't that thing I love. (laughs) I'm so glad you
3: said that, because I'm reading this book and thinking, like, I like Sunstone so much better than this, so it's like, yay, sex-positive, but it's definitely not my favorite in that genre, so I'm excited to get to that. All (laughs) right. You know, still a good book. Still a good book. Solid.
0: I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if someone told me this was their favorite comic. And I don't think I would, I don't think I'd be like, really? But for me, it doesn't hit my pantheon of greats. It's something I'm happy. I read.
2: I think it is a comic where if I had discovered it a little earlier in my journey, I would, I, I could imagine a version of Brad where this is in my top five comics of all time. That's, not the case for the brad that's speaking on this podcast Mm -hmm. but i i am open to the possibility of of me being like a hardcore hardcore sex criminals fan that's the bit that's the (laughs) that's what the government's going to use against me
0: this is the episode that comes back to get us yeah um alexis where does this land for you in the comics we've read for the show
1: to agree um with Brad. Like it's having this be earlier in my journey of reading comics, it's it's up there, but it's definitely not my top five, and I don't even think it maybe would be my top ten. But I do like it a lot. I liked reading it. Um and I probably would read it again. I mean, if I ever found myself with a hard copy that Dallas is getting made off of his shelves. Um, but I don't know. It was good.
0: Yeah. I hope that answers your question, Conrad. (laughs) All right, next question, and this is a little bit longer one. Glenn Machette writes in and says, Dear Sex Criminals, too easy, too accurate? (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes, Glenn, both.
0: We are too easy and too accurate. Um, The Comics Collective regular Dallas is a dead ringer for sex criminal protagonist John, and Anne is a real-life Carol Danvers. While Lisa is Squirrel Girl. So Brad and Alexis, who are your comic doppelgangers? And he says, mine is the Hulk villain Gargoyle. So Alexis, who do you think you look like from comics?
1: I don't know who I think I look like. I feel like I can't make that comparison. I don't think I've read enough comics. I don't know. Do we
0: have any thoughts? Brad, do you have any thoughts on a doppelganger?
2: Uh... You know, there is um, an actor who looks very much like me, and I can never remember his name. He
4: has like one of those names. I'll find it.
2: He's in uh, Scott Pilgrim, and he's in um, He's his in Captain like, Marvel. He's his the name guy... is
4: something like Franklin
2: P- Pierce, Franklin, Fra- whatever. I don't know. But comic book wise- I, there's a lot of comic book characters I would love to be, but I don't know if I've ever encountered a comic book character where I was like, that looks just like me, or that person <laughs> is very much like me. When I was a child, a I wanted to be Cyclops, which says so oh, much God. about me, and I am sorry. <laughs> um, but that is true. I was I very much wanted to be Scott Summers for some God for Because he was
4: reason. boning uh Gene Gray. That's, that's correct. the yes. one and only reason.
0: Yeah. Fair. <laughs> that is the only reason to like Scott. That's Summers a good, that's a good reason. The guy is good yeah. at dating women that are cooler than him. <laughs> and I think that's why people like him.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Uh, Nelson Franklin. Nelson Franklin
2: is the actor. Yeah. Look
4: this guy mm. up. Look this guy up. He's quite handsome. Looks like my spouse.
2: I'm glad you said he's handsome. Uh yeah. Yeah. All right,
0: Alexis. Do you feel like there's an actor you look, actress or actor you look like? Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I like kind of what everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, that was my little Chewbacca impersonation. I don't know. Uh, I don't think of myself in that way.
0: Is Alexis with the Snapchat boy filter? Is just me. So I'm going (laughs) to say Alice with the girl.
1: That's true. My favorite
0: story is. When Alexis went to a summer camp when she was like 12 years old, she had her hair pulled back really tight in a little ponytail. And more than one people were like, Dallas Taylor's sister, maybe? And she yeah. was like, shut yeah. up. How
4: do you know? <laughs> I have this, I have the same relationship with my brother where I add this kid's name was David Moss. I'm calling him out real name. Comes up to me and goes like, you look just like your brother, but you have crazier eyebrows. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, I hope you never have success. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope you're damned to hell. Thank you. I hope and, that you're
0: Lisa hexed him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that tragic. is funny.
0: I, think I actually is me with better eyebrows. Actually,
1: it's true because I know how to wax them myself. But actually, Ooh, no, that's a great skill. It is a great skill. It's a good one. But um, I have multiple multiple times growing up. In high school, specifically, said that with my hair down, I look a lot like Shailene Woodley. Yes, I've been googling mm. that. I've been trying to figure out that woman's
4: name because you do look like her. Yeah, I've I've yeah. heard it's the nose. That's not know. a bad comparison. No, no person, not. I as take a compliment by that. So yeah, and she was She's gonna wonderful.
3: play MJ, right? She was. Yep. So there we go. We got one. There
1: we go. <laughs> Boom. Mary Jane Watson.
0: Rock and roll. All right. Question number two from Glenn. He said, as stated above, Dallas is a double for John. And apparently his wife looks a lot like Susie. If it's not too personal, I'd like to hear how you guys met. That's the best possible way that question ends, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the embarrassing way that I met my wife, and she's smiling at me behind the camera here.
1: She's right I,
0: We met on a dating app, everyone. Uh, they work. And I am a terrible person who was in a real serial dating phase of life Mm -hmm. when we met. And I had copy and pasted a pickup line from a website. And this pickup line was, are you a little Caesar's pizza? Because you're hot and I'm ready. And she responded, ew, try again. And that made me laugh. And so then we just started chatting and I asked if, she wanted to meet up and go listen to some music. And she said, yes. And then we just clicked. It was the first time in my life that like, I felt like I blinked and it was 4am. You know, I, I had talked to her nonstop for almost seven hours. And all I wanted to do was talk to her again the next morning. And I had like a very cool guy persona at this time, which is funny in hindsight, but I, I was like, used to being the cool guy that like didn't reach out for a couple days and all I said at the end of our first date with my wife was I know this isn't cool but can I just see you tomorrow morning like I I want to see you again and she said yes and we just spent every day together since and it was it's been really cool so sometimes crappy pickup lines work because your wife is cooler than you that's
4: the wrong lesson I was
1: (laughs) That is not Just, the takeaway that here. That is the
4: wrong lesson. Uh, I think
2: that- Little Caesars. Right
4: lesson. Your bad. wife being like, uh, I will give you a second chance because I am the bigger person Maybe. is the correct yeah. Is the correct
1: yeah. lesson. Most She's of all, hero, we love Addie. Yeah. yeah my
0: yeah. mom, my mother at our wedding, at <laughs> the beginning of her speech, she went, this has been such a lovely day. There's so many things to love. And most of all- we love Addie. And that was the whole sentence. I didn't come up in my mother's and then speech she, and then at our she wedding. Like, oh,
1: and Dallas. Oh, yeah,
0: and Dallas. <laughs> when I gave her a look. so
1: She is uh, the protagonist oh, of
0: our relationship. True. We honestly. would keep
1: her in the divorce. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm well aware.
3: Dallas, if you uh, ever leave the podcast, we're bringing her on. Just like you know. She's always she's there. We she's the would right be able now, to hold we, the we'll, conversation. We'll bring her in in a heartbeat.
0: She is much cooler. All right, and then the final question from Glenn. He says, a little more serious in-depth question. Sex in fiction, I find, is often either sensationalized or used for awkward embarrassment comedy. You either get well-produced porn like sex on your average HBO show or stuff like American Pie. Why do you think this is, and what books slash comics slash shows or films do you think treat sex or things related to it a little more appropriately?
3: It's... It's one of those questions, it's hard, it all depends on how, what the purpose of your entertainment is. Because a lot of times when entertainment is commercialized, sex is used as the selling point. There's the the famous phrase, sex sells. So when you have something like that, the point of sex in a story isn't always necessarily to focus on that so much as it is just to sell a product. And I feel like when you get indie um, projects like Sex Criminals, you're able to explore that a little better without that... Um, that commercialism in there telling you this is why this needs to be in the story. And you're actually able to explore it from a more personal standpoint. I think there's a lot of comics I can name that do it very well. Of course, in two weeks, we're going to come back here and talk about Sunstone, which does it really fantastically. And the same author also did fine print, which is about the same exact thing. Very sex positive focuses on that aspect of the experience. His wife, actually um, Linda Sage has a story that she drew called swing which is also pretty sex positive. It's not my favorite, but it's also something there. I think comics have done a pretty good job with it. And I also want to point out, there are some indie movies you can get into that do a great job with it as well. Off the top of my head, just two of my favorite movies I've discovered in the last couple months. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire does it very well. And Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman has an interesting and pretty sex positive take on relationships. So that's my answer. It's a good one. <laughs> that was a
0: good one. Oh, thank you. Do we have what, any other faves?
2: My entire brain went blank. I'm like, what are what? Like, I was, especially I was thinking comics. I wasn't even thinking about movies. Although those two movies are most excellent. Also, highly recommend them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Um. It's hard. It's hard because, like, uh, uh like, uh, you know, like some sex, beautiful sex, is not remarkable. So it wouldn't be in a movie. Or in a comic, because why would you remark on something ordinary, I guess? I don't know. That's a terrible answer.
0: No, I think that was a really good answer, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, well, you two think, my favorite example is the show Love Life on HBO, which is funny that it comes from HBO. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) The first season of that starring Anna Kendrick, I feel like has one of the more honest depictions of discovering yourself through sex and relationships that I've seen. I, I really loved that show. I've thought about it a lot, and similarly, I think the marvelous Mrs. Maisel has a really great relationship with sex and how it informs our life, how relationships inform our life, and I mean, it's it's a great plug. I'm looking forward to season three of this, and I need more people to talk about it with. So, those are my two plugs. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll get on it ASAP. I We all promise. need to watch Miss Maisel. We get it. I like that show.
2: <laughs> I feel like sex in fiction is treated so often as like an endpoint or like a, a boss battle or something, you know. And like, I I I, I just feel like again, like Western fiction doesn't have an interest too often in wanting to have a serious conversation around it.
4: Like, Saga does have a a really good relationship with sex. But then there are also two super sexy characters that are fun to look at doing it. So, like, I still find it, even though they're handling it in a good way, I still think it's pretty sensational.
2: I mean, yeah. I think... It, it 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 does it does everything that book
4: like i was taking the question as like how come we don't see two ordinaries you know doing it
2: bumping uglies
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think of examples
0: I, I don't remember what show it was but someone was like never i think it was friends honestly they're like don't watch your sex tape back like no matter how sexy oh. i think you're being
2: don't do it that yeah, is the I last thing i want to see yes yeah, same, same we, I, I we truly... have
4: we have uh both uh g- agreed that to our deathbed that shall never happen yeah. maybe on our deathbed yeah. that would be really weird <laughs> Just yeah. right on our way out <laughs> it's like,
0: like your monitor goes like beep and it's like and now presenting <laughs>
2: A short film by Brad and Lisa Gullix. Oh, oh,
4: no, that's no the tapes funeral? shall be made
2: uh, yeah. with our consent. If Pam and Tommy taught me anything. It's that. It's don't do it. Don't tape it. Don't tape it. I don't know. But you know, you know, we're a, a repressed puritanical patriarchal society, and that's why it is that way.
0: Yeah.
3: Snaps, snaps.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. thanks and with that pun (laughs) I didn't even intend that all right any final thoughts or comments before we close this bad boy up I don't think so
4: I've enjoyed revisiting this this comic even though Brad and I do have uh, like five hours of us having this conversation between each other about sex criminals. It's been fun to open it up to you guys and get your thoughts on it as well.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: Thank you so much for coming on. This was so fantastic. This yeah. was a lot of fun. Oh my Dream
0: goodness. come true. Yeah. Our
4: pleasure.
2: Yeah.
0: It was very fun. I, I would definitely love to talk about another comic at a future mm-hmm, date.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, please. Definitely. Please invite us back because we, we'll we be too shy to invite ourselves.
2: But we're doing it right now. <laughs> but we are so doing... we'd like to come back. <laughs> Thank you. We'd be at, hurt, <laughs>
1: hurt if you didn't invite us back. Yeah. Consider Deal. it on the docket.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in charge, but consider it on the docket. They <laughs> have
2: a
4: docket. I'm in charge.
3: Cell. We do have a docket and
0: it is loaded.
2: <laughs> we, long. It is set. It's, it's
3: very long. long.
0: As Lisa pointed out, I am a three-paragraph essay writer of a person, <laughs> and so our docket is very yeah, my brain in Yeah, are currently action. booked out till June. <laughs> I like to know what's ahead. <laughs> um, but with all that, Brad and Lisa, do you want to pitch yourself a little bit? Some stuff that you have going on that you want to point our listeners towards?
2: Shall I go? You do it. I go. Uh, you can find us at comicbookcouplescounseling.com, at CBCC Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Right now on our show, we just finished like a series of interviews and best of episodes, uh, kind of easing into 2022. Scotty Young came on to talk about I Hate Fairyland's Return. That conversation was kind of a dream come true. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud of that episode. Lisa just killed it on that episode. And I was jealous (laughs) listening to her awesome conversation with Scotty Young. And I was like, why is her conversation with Scotty Young better than my conversation with Scotty Young? Oh, wait, it's our conversation. (laughs) Hold on. It's not a competition. Uh, But we're entering into our first couple session of the year. And what we do is we take a comic book couple. Uh, Let's say Marco and Alana from Saga. And we pair them with a self-help book. And we are entering into Saga volumes five through nine. And we're going to do four episodes on Marco Alana using the book How to Be Sad by Dr. Helen Russell.
4: I don't think she's a doctor.
2: Not a doctor? Nope. Still a valid human being, though.
4: Yep, yep. She's still (laughs) entitled to her opinions.
2: (laughs) And I'm very excited to return to Saga. We covered Saga, the first four volumes, back in 2019. And now that Saga's finally back, we felt comfortable returning to the series and that relationship. And, you know, like everyone, we adore that comic book. It means so much to us. And it's going to be exciting to... Get really, really sad talking about where that story goes in Volume Nine. Mm-hmm. Anyway,
4: and um, you can follow Brad on Twitter at Mouthdork. Yes, or you can follow me on Twitter at Sidewalk Siren. We are currently accepting words of affirmation. Uh, so <laughs> if you have anything nice to say to us, we would love to hear it. Oh,
3: absolutely! Let's go. <laughs>
0: exactly. They are both a great follow. If you somehow right. haven't bumped into them in the comic book Twitter sphere and podcast sphere. With glowing recommendations from the comic collective. Thank we, you. We love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Admiration
4: returned. We love you guys
0: as well. All right. Should we fumble for our scripts, comic? I court?
1: already have it Absolutely. pulled up. Absolutely, idiot.
0: Oh my gosh, Alexis, look at you on the ball. <laughs> Man.
1: Yeah. It's almost like I should get paid. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> what <All> right. <laughs> Swissweb Fund. Specifically yours. Ah. I mean, he, he does buy my comic books for me. So that's, that's fair. Fine. True. All right. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter accounts at CMX Collective, or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at comic, at, oop, at Comics, and at Lexi underscore comics.
0: If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show.
3: My notes disappeared. One second.
0: (gasps) We almost (gasps) did it. We We almost almost, had it.
3: Lexi messed up first, so I feel like I'm justified here. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective, with an S, Evan, thank you very much, at gmail.com.
0: And come back next week for our little detour. It's a pun we didn't intend, but in the middle of our month of love, we are going to be reading book one, the first three volumes of Bone. I I feel like Raymond Holt. Bone? Bone? (laughs) (laughs) And so we are going to be reading the first third of Bone and next third, next month, next third, Mm -hmm. the next. This is our next big comic book we'll be covering and it's alexis's darling so
1: i found the whole big chunk of it at the bookstore so i bought it and so i'm really excited
0: we are very excited to be reading one of the best comics ever written over the next three months Mm -hmm. so come back and join us for that conversation it'll probably be a little more sweetsy and wholesome than this one Mm
1: -hmm.
0: just just a a little little bit
3: if we say the word cunnilingus i'll be shocked (laughs) never say never (laughs) Anne.
0: never (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much Mm -hmm. and have a good one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.